Hello and welcome to another session of our Facebook studies. This is Bill Allen from West Irwin Church of Christ in very hot downtown Tyler. Sure, it's pretty warm where you are if you're anywhere around these parts. It has been quite a July with lots of 100 degree temperatures. And so I hope that you're somewhere cool right now. And I just want you to know that I'm glad that you're joining with us. And I also want you to know, and I'll try to remember at the end as well, that this class will not meet this coming Thursday and next Tuesday because the teacher will be uh, trying to uh, keep four wonderful, amazing, incredibly talented, gifted grandchildren uh, in tow. Uh, Joyce and I will have Gammy and Papa Week starting uh, Wednesday night, actually. We're going to be picking them up. And then Thursday, we'll have them through next week. And uh, so that means that this Thursday and next Tuesday, we will not meet on our Facebook Live studies. In fact, there will probably be a few pictures of grandchildren instead. So tune in, absolutely. Just don't tune in expecting a Bible study. Sorry about that. But today, we have a wonderful study. Um, as we've been reading through the book of Isaiah, it's just incredible uh, the uh, gifts that Isaiah has as he preaches and prophesies in the full power of the Spirit of God and as uh, he writes these things down for us to remember and to be encouraged by. And so today I thought it would be a good idea for us to look at uh, several great passages that Isaiah shares. And uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 40. Because in this great chapter, there are very familiar words that show up uh, several places in the New Testament. And uh, one of the most familiar statements uh, that we'll read at the end of the study, which is at the very end of Isaiah chapter 40. But let's start with the first few verses, Isaiah 41 through 5. See if you remember uh, these statements and see if you remember possibly who said some of this. Isaiah 40, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Well, you know who said those words in the New Testament, right? Uh, that was John the Baptist, the one who was preparing the way for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And John was chosen from the womb, uh, an incredible first few chapters of Luke remind us of that that sacred life in the womb as uh, Jesus and John interacted while both still in their mother's wombs. It's just an amazing story. And then later on, when John grows up and he begins his ministry, everyone's asking him, hey, what, what authority do you have to say this? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? No, 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 I'm not the Messiah. Are you one of the great prophets? No, I'm not one of the great prophets. Then how can you say all these things and what authority do you have? And he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness or in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. 
And that's exactly what John does. And he prepares the way. He helps people to understand the baptism of repentance that he was preaching, that Jesus and his disciples would preach. Something different than what had, there were a lot of baptisms in that day, but there was not one for the Jews that said you had to repent and be baptized. You had to change your life. They thought they were okay because they were descendants of Abraham, but not so with John's preaching. Not so with Isaiah's preaching either, as we have come to find out. Um, and so uh, Isaiah continues on in that great tradition, uh, beginning in verse 6 of Isaiah 40. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the grass, the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. That last verse is such a wonderful, comforting verse. We hear David, King David, uh, saying uh, a few hundred years before Isaiah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalm 23, the great 23rd Psalm, we hear Jesus in John chapter 10 saying, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, we get that. And now this passage in Isaiah 40 verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his heart. What a wonderful, wonderful image that is. But this verse also has, has uh, passages that show up in the New Testament. In fact, from the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, these words in verse 6, all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. And then the middle of verse 7, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Peter remembers that great statement from Isaiah and preaching in his power, the word of the Lord. Peter himself says, you know, there's only one thing that's going to be around forever, and it's not the grass that we see around us. It's not the beautiful flowers that bloom and then are gone, but rather it is the word of the Lord that will endure and will survive forever. And aren't we very, very glad that we have that eternal word? Well, another passage, let's go a little bit further on in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, beginning at verse 1. There's a lot in the book of Isaiah about the servant of the Lord. Sometimes it applies to Isaiah himself. Sometimes to the nation of Israel or Judah, the Jews. And sometimes it applies strictly to the Messiah. Let's read Isaiah 42, starting in verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. 
In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God, the Lord, says, verse 5, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. We see several fulfillments from this passage as well, starting with Matthew chapter 12. You know that great statement in verse 2, He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Um, later on in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, um, Matthew answers the question of why Jesus kept telling people, don't tell anyone that I'm the Messiah. Don't tell anyone that I just healed you. Why in the world? Well, Matthew helps us understand that as a fulfillment of this prophecy right here. In other words, he's not going to toot his own horn. He's not going to try to make a name for himself just for the sake of making a name. He's going to do this very quietly, very humbly. A bruised reed he will not break. He'll not raise his voice in the streets. He'll not shout or cry out. He'll just tenderly care for his people like a shepherd cares for lambs that are in his flock. It's a great, great statement that Matthew picks up on in Matthew 12. Well, perhaps you remember the uh, first sermon Jesus ever preached, or at least the first one that's recorded. Uh, perhaps you don't, but it was in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. Uh, Jesus, after his temptations, goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue on, on the Sabbath. He Basically, he goes to church, and it says very simply, as was his custom. Jesus went to the Sabbath, uh, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And what a great statement that is. Is it your custom to go to church? When Sunday rolls around, are, is it just an expectation, an, an understanding that you will be there with the saints, with the people of God, studying from his word, encouraging each other, praising and worshiping our God together? That was the way it was with the Lord. Under the law of Moses, he worshiped on Saturday, the seventh day, the Sabbath, worshiped in the synagogue, kind of the predecessor for what we call our church. And now uh, Jesus is there. And what is he, what's going to happen? Well, they hand him the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And Jesus flips it open and he opens it up to a particular passage. And that passage that Jesus reads from in his Bible for his first recorded sermon in his hometown is from Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. So Jesus preaches from Isaiah chapter 61. And after he reads from this great chapter, uh, Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus closed up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, 
went back and sat down and told them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It says in Luke chapter 4 that every eye was on him. And don't you know you could have heard a pin drop if there were such things. I'm sure there were some of some sort. You could have heard a pin drop in that synagogue that day. Jesus read this scripture and then beginning from that place, he told them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he spoke to them from the word of the Lord, his word. Amazing, amazing. Uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the, for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah 61, the first recorded sermon of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, of course, you can't look at Isaiah uh, and consider his teachings about the Messiah, the servant of the Lord, who would be a one and only unique servant, the Son of God himself, without turning to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is that great passage that really tells us everything about Jesus and how he lived his life uh, hundreds of years, 700 or so years before Jesus was actually born, and yet Isaiah saw it. He saw it all those centuries before, and this is what he wrote about it in Isaiah chapter 53. We'll read starting in Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand. Just as the passage we looked at earlier in chapter 42 when it talked about being a light for the Gentiles, that's a message that the New Testament picks up on as well. And in this passage, Isaiah sees this suffering servant, just like uh, I mentioned before. In this case, Isaiah is speaking specifically of one unique servant, not himself, not anybody in the nation of Israel of his day or in the years to come, but one specific servant of God. And that one is Jesus of Nazareth the Lord himself. And now in this incredible chapter in Isaiah 53, he gives us a look at what that Messiah would be. And this is likely one of those passages that Jesus would talk about. Remember in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, he talked to them about how even though they were shocked that the Messiah would suffer and die on a cross, couldn't believe that that was Jesus. Um, Jesus opens up the scriptures to them and tells them, goes back to the Bible, back to his Old Testament, as we call it, and looks at passages probably including this one in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. There was nothing special about how Jesus looked. 
You know, King Saul was chosen and he was head and shoulders above every man of his day. Looked like a king. Jesus didn't look physically like much of anything. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. That's exactly what happened with Jesus, as you know. Verse 4 of Isaiah 53, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so Isaiah sees not only that the Messiah, the anointed one, would come and would actually suffer, and be punished, he also said, why? Because of our sins. He took on our transgressions, and for our sins, he was pierced. Uh, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. And we think of that great statement in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, my favorite verse uh, these days. Uh, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, basically taken right out of the life and death of Christ and Isaiah 53 that saw it centuries before it happened. Let's keep reading from this great chapter. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And we remember they were, they were beating him and trying to get him to answer, and he just would not. Verse 8, um, or rather keep reading in verse 7. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? Who, who went to bat for Jesus? No, they all fled. They all left him. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. And we remember Jesus was crucified with two criminals, uh, with two thieves, uh, with two wicked men, one who repented, one who did not. And he was assigned uh, that grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. We remember that it was the wealthy man, Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus, who took Jesus' body down from the cross. These two men, uh, part of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, up until this time anyway, but Joseph was a wealthy man, and he had his own tomb, and it was nearby, and that's where he laid Jesus uh, with the rich in his death. Verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, 
and he will bear their iniquities. No, the grave and the tomb aren't the end. The cross wasn't the end. Jesus is laid in that tomb, and then on the first day of the week, when they went very early in the morning, they saw the seal broken, they saw the stone rolled away, and they looked inside, and they saw the tomb, and they saw the grave closed, but what they did not see was the body of Jesus, the suffering servant. Um, verse 12, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the, for the transgressors. Um, a great, great chapter that speaks very clearly about how the Messiah will be, not one who comes triumphantly riding on a stallion with all of his armor on and his sword raised, but rather one who was sacrificed as a lamb to the slaughter, who gave his life willingly, though he could have ended that at any time that day, he did not, because he loved your life and my life more than his own. What a great, great passage, Isaiah chapter 53. Well, before we close, let's, let's read one more passage out of that great chapter, Isaiah 40, that we started with today. Because this is a chapter that speaks a verse that you likely have somewhere in your house, <laughs> hanging on a wall on a plaque somewhere, maybe a, something on your desk at work. One of your favorite passages of scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 40, and it is so very powerful. Isaiah 40, we'll start with verse 21. Isaiah 40, verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He who gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You can't read those verses without having the goosebumps pop up on your shoulder or on your neck like they just did with me to hear these incredible, incredible words given to people who needed comforting, given to people who needed to hear that voice crying out in the wilderness, be prepared for the way of the Lord. And now Isaiah is talking about how the Lord will lift us up no matter how far we've fallen. 
Uh, no matter how deeply in the pit we feel, he will give us wings like eagles. I want to end with this reading in just a moment, but first let me remind you, no, no Bill's Facebook class on Thursday or Tuesday. If you come, if you come to my Facebook page looking for a, a great lesson from God's Word, you won't find it those two days, but what you will find are pictures, no doubt, of four grandchildren that are the delight of the hearts of their gammy and their papa. These words from Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 28. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. I'll see you soon.